Welcome, everyone, to the Bread of Life, a program of the International Discipleship Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I invite you to go to cpeonline.org to learn more about our work in over 40 different countries. To learn about our ministry in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today, we take up a further consideration into the introductory remarks at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel. The Gospel of Matthew begins this way, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The Jews understood that the Messiah would come to them descending through a line of promise, the seed of a people of promise. He would descend from Abraham and from David. This Savior had been hoped for a long time, and this hope had been disappointed more than once. The dream of a Messiah had many times become a nightmare, as one supposed Messiah after another fell into ruin. But this Messiah will ultimately prove true. Matthew begins with a genealogy and gives us a survey of the years of disappointment before the one true answer of promise arrived in Jesus Christ. The second thing that Matthew does in this passage is he points out to us that the Lord Jesus answers disappointed hopes. The Lord Jesus answers disappointed hopes. After Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden, we are told that God banished them from the garden, that God set a curse upon them. And that curse had within it, though, wonderful promises. And one of the promises that God gave to Eve was that the seed that she would produce would rise up to destroy the serpent who had caused them to fall into sin in the first place. That the seed that would rise up from her God would raise up to bring a crushing blow against Satan himself and destroy him, the seed of the woman. And so, at that point in time, Eve began to dream, and Eve began to hope. And you might remember that when she had her firstborn son, she named him Cain, and the name Cain basically means, I've gotten me a man. Another way of saying it is that Eve was saying, here he is, the serpent crusher. There's the one. But we know the story. Cain didn't crush the serpent, did he? No, he murdered his brother. And so the hope was disappointed and the wait continued. All along, God began to reveal hints of this promise to his people. Abraham came along and God gave Abraham the promise that through him a son would rise up through which all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And Isaac was born. Abraham named him Laughter. He and Sarah saw him as a cause of great rejoicing. And they saw him as a cause of rejoicing, not for themselves, but also for all the people of the earth, because through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It's pointed out to us in Scripture that the promise that God gave to Abraham was not through your seeds, but through your seed, through one. All the nations of the earth would be blessed. Here's Isaac, he's laughter. And yet, if you read the story of Isaac, you'll discover that Isaac is a disappointment as well. His weak character was such that at some point in time, he tries to deceive God himself. He uses deceit in his own home to trick God from what it is that God has put upon him and commanded him. God had pointed out to Isaac that it was his second son, which was to be the son through which the promise would continue to flow. Isaac wanted the favor to be upon his first son. And so Isaac decided that he would thwart the will of God by putting his blessing upon the first son and not upon his second son. And when the son learns out that this is taking place, the second son, under the direction of his mother, the second son 
Jacob decides that he will thwart the deception of his father. He will deceive his tricky father with his own tricks. And so as a result, a whole legacy of deceit gets born in the line of promise. And it's a sad picture. It's a sad picture of what takes place in the line of the people who are supposed to be the ones through which all of the earth is to be blessed. So began a long succession of sons from Abraham that failed miserably in being that blessing to the world. And so the weight kept on in the midst of grave, grave disappointments. And then David came and God told David that it was through him that he was going to raise up a son that would build the temple and from that temple would be established a kingdom that would have no end, that would last forever. David had a son and he named him Solomon. The name means peaceful. David's hope was that Solomon would be the one who would build the temple of God and that he would establish an unending reign of peace and it started out really good. Solomon did build the temple and he did experience peace and an expansion of the Jewish nation to its farthest reaches and through his lifetime he experienced great peace and so did his kingdom. But Solomon the peaceful also planted the seeds that would result in the destruction of that very kingdom. His experiment as a king was a disastrous failure. Study his life. In spite of all the advantages that God gave Solomon, we read that one of the things that God gave to Solomon was an unusual extending of wisdom that came upon him. And he was known as the wisest man in all of the world. In spite of all these advantages that God put upon him, his life became a contradiction to these very blessings. He built a temple for God, but after he was done building the temple for God that would be the focused center of rule over all of his people, after he built that temple, he began to build temples for his many wives so that they could worship all of their false gods. And he established places of worship for them all over the land where they could worship their false gods. And so with Solomon, idolatry took root in the land and it was never rooted out of that land until the people of Israel were led away as slaves because of their idolatry into Babylon. And so the wait went on. It's amazing, isn't it? The disappointments, the hopes that were raised by God, by His promises, and then the hopes expressed in the very names that they gave their children, and then the very contradiction of those hopes and the lives that the children lived. Eve hoped and was disappointed. Abraham too, David also. The dream never met its answer in any of the sons of women or any of the sons of Israel. And so they waited and so they wait. And the fact is that every dream that you pin upon your son and daughter as if they were the ultimate expression of which you're going to find fulfillment and life in yourself is going to be disappointed as well. It will not, your children will not meet the deep longing of your heart for peace and unending rest with God. There's an answer only in one. Only in one. Every promise that God made passing through the legacy of Adam and Eve and Abraham and David was a promise, oh, through their line, but it was a promise searching out just one. Just one. And now Matthew hails the one who fulfills the dream and who answers the disappointments. The Lord Jesus is born a son of David. He is born a son of Abraham in order to answer the promises that they had been waiting for for so long. And what Matthew tells us is, he 
will not disappoint. He will not disappoint. You know it. You've had your dreams and you've had your visions. Some of you have been fortunate enough to realize what you were dreaming and discovered that what you were dreaming wasn't that great. It wasn't that fulfilling. You know, the man who gets everything that he wants in the world finds out that everything is not everything. And something is still lacking. Others of you have dreamed and never realized it. And maybe in the back of your mind you think, my life would be good if I had just been able to realize that one thing. You're wrong. There's only one who does not disappoint. When he was announced, the announcement of his reign came as peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Laughter, that was the name for Isaac, he says of himself to us that he has come that his joy might be in us and that our joy might be full. He brings a laughter to our spirit, a joy to our lives that cannot be expressed or known or searched out by the happenstance that people realize in their lives today. It's not the moment of titillation that people realize when they feel a strike of laughter coming upon them, but it's the great reverberating, constant, ongoing sense of satisfaction and contentment and joy that wells up in our souls and bubbles up in the midst of any circumstance. What that is is Jesus living and abiding within you. He doesn't disappoint when everything else in the world does. When our children disappoint us, when the circumstance disappoint us, when our country disappoints us, when our striving after political philosophy disappoints us, he doesn't disappoint. He abides within us as joy and life. And what does he say? You know, Solomon was named peaceful. What does Jesus say of himself? What do we learn about Jesus? He is called the Prince of Peace. And what the Lord Jesus said, even when he left this earth to go into heaven to his disciples was, this is great, my peace I leave with you. I'm not taking this part with me. I'm leaving you, but I'm going to leave you my peace. And he fills us with a sense of peace and rightness before God and fitness before God and rest in him that, well, you'll never experience and never know in any other way. What we know as Christians is, what we should know is that Christ does not disappoint, right? Well, the last thing I want to point out here just briefly is that this kingdom that is being introduced, this one who the people were waiting for, and the one who is bringing the salvation and is opening up a new kingdom has room for the socially foregone, those are the socially overlooked, has room for the spiritual foreigners, and has room for moral failures. That's good news. If you go on and read through this, let's just actually read verses 2 through 7 for a moment. We won't read the whole genealogy, but let's just read through the next six verses here. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brethren. Judah begot Perez and Zerah and Tamar. And Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab. And Boaz begot Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. And David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Let me go back and point out a couple things to you here. First in verse 3 it says, Judah begot Perez and Zerah of 
Tamar. And then you read here that Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab. Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And then you read here that David begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Uriah. That's Bathsheba. It's kind of an interesting thing here that we have here first a listing of four women in this genealogy. What you need to understand is that the writing of a genealogy to prove the pedigree of a Jewish man, that was not uncommon. That was very naturally a Jewish idea. Putting the names of women in it wasn't, you see. That was not a natural Jewish idea. This is something the Spirit of God breathed in Matthew to put into this writing because women were not accorded the same rights in Jewish society as men were. Jewish men would rise up every morning and they would thank God that they weren't a Gentile, that they weren't a dog, and that they weren't a woman. That's how their prayer began each day. A woman did not even have legal standing. She wasn't even recognized as someone who could step into a court of law and give a witness or a testimony. She had no legal standing in her own country. She was socially largely overlooked. That is, she was socially foregone. And here we find four women in the genealogy of Christ. Bread of Life Radio is a represented ministry of the International Mission of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Your financial gifts make possible this ministry and our work to make disciples of Christ among the nations. Until the next time, may God bless you.